Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello again, my name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor. Uh, excited to be here today. Man, I was on vacation last week. And it was good. I got to go to a vineyard church down in Florida uh, with some friends of mine down there. It was just, it was so good to be on the receiving end. I'm pretty sure there were 300 people in the auditorium, but he wrote that message just for me. I'm pretty sure. Um, and so my prayer today is that God will speak to you directly. Some part of this message, a scripture, a fill in something that God would speak directly to you. Um, I do want to remind you all that Father's Day is in two weeks, okay? Two weeks from today, we have Father's Day, and here at Lighthouse, we celebrate men. That may not be happening around the world, but we definitely do it here in this church. So uh, guys, make sure you come. Make sure you bring uh, the men in your life. Uh, we're going to have some giveaways and some fun photo opportunities, things like that. So make sure you come in two weeks. But to open up today's message, I'm going to do a little guessing game. So you guys can kind of join me in this a little bit. But we are going to walk down the top 10 highest lifetime grossing movies. Okay? Top 10 lifetime highest grossing movies. So what I'm going to do is I'll give you the year and the amount, and you get to guess which one it is. All right? So number 10, $1.5 billion. Okay, we're talking billion dollars. That's a lot of money. Um, from 2015, what's your guess? Okay. Furious 7, Fast and Furious. That's what it was. Yeah. $1.5 billion. A lot of people watched that movie. So um, keep that one in mind, though, David. It could be, could be one of these. Uh, number nine, <laughs> nine 1500000000 billion again. 2012, getting a little sooner. A little closer. Anybody? The Avengers. You got it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, rules, you can't Google this in case I'm just. John Michael, I see you back there. Get your hands up. Keep them up. <laughs> All right. But yeah, Avengers. That's good. All right. Number eight, 1.6 billion, 2019. David, I think you have this one for me. That's right. It's the Lion King remake, though, from 2019. Remember, the animated version was 1994. Does that make some of you feel old? <laughs> it really does. So they came out with a, a new version and uh, made it another $1.6 Number seven, $1.6 billion again uh, from 2015. Any guesses? Jurassic World, which was a remake of Jurassic Park from 1993. Jurassic Park, yeah. You would think that that's all Hollywood do, would do is right, remake movies, right? I mean, because they're making billions of dollars. All right, number six, 1.8 billion, 2021, pretty recent. No Way Home. No Way Home, that's right, Spider-Man, No Way Home. How many of you saw that one? Wasn't that confusing? The three Spider-Mans? It, it messed me up. Anyway, so I didn't quite get it. Um, number five. 2 billion, now we're up to 2 billion, 2018. There it is, Infinity War, the Avengers, just a continuation, that's right. 2015, uh, two, just over $2 billion, 
from 2015. There we go. Which one? That's right, The Force Awakens. <laughs> All right. We got some people that know their stuff. Top three, though. This is going to be interesting. See if you guys know these. From 1997, $2.2 billion, number three. Titanic. Titanic, yes. You guys got that one. Right? Isn't it something like that? I haven't actually seen that movie. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I've avoided that. Seen, but anyway, so um, number two, 2019, 2.7 billion. That's right, Avengers Endgame. Now we're down to number one top-selling movie of all time. Now, th that's today. It could get, you know, passed up here pretty soon. There's some big movies that are out right now. Um, from 2009, 2.8 billion. Avatar. Avatar. You guys knew that one. Avatar. I did see that one, just so you all know that. All right, so top 10 movies, top 10 lists. Those are fun to look at, aren't they? You know, they're fun because what it does is it ranks things as to what's most important or most valuable to people. So here's a question for us today and actually for this summer. Have you ever wondered what's in God's top ten? Think about that. Like, what are God's top ten stories in the Bible? You know, was it Joseph? Was it Daniel in the lion's den? You know, was it the resurrection? What was like his favorite stories? Or how about, how about this? What are God's favorite characters from the Bible? Right? We know that David was a man after his own heart. Esther did some pretty cool things. Was it the original Adam and Eve? You know, now let's go outside of the Bible. What do you think are God's or wouldn't it be nice to know what God's top 10 stories of redemption are in the history of the world? Maybe they're not in Scripture, but like his top 10. Like, like wouldn't you think he would be up in heaven going, I just got to tell you about Joey and what happened with Joey and, and this whole story? Or what do you think might be God's top 10 saddest stories? You know, someone like the lost son who, you know, ran away, the prodigal son, he ran away, but he didn't run back. You know, I mean, I bet you God's got a list of those. Now, we are actually going to be in a series this summer. Uh, we're calling it Top Ten. That's a summer study of the Ten Commandments. And we're going to study the original Ten Commandments in let me just submit to you, we're, this year our word is passion. We want to become more passionately in love with Jesus, right? Uh, more passionately in love with God. And so if we want to love God more, I think it's important for us to understand what's important to God. And these 10 commandments were the original top 10 for God. I mean, when he had an opportunity to tell the children of Israel, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. He actually carved them into stone, and he said, here they are. Here's my top ten commandments. And so we should care about that. We should care about it. Now, the problem is, if you've grown up in the church, 
I mean, you've heard about the Ten Commandments, right? Or maybe you watched Charlton Heston, you know, from that movie back in 1950-something, you know, about the Ten Commandments. They can become, you know, familiar to us. And because they're familiar, we kind of disregard them. But this summer, we're going to spend some time. We're going to go deep, do a Bible study on the Ten Commandments. We're going to look at the uh, cultural relevance to them, why God you know, wrote them out to the children of Israel at that time. And then we're going to take a look at how they apply to us today, because I believe all 10 of these apply to us today. So that's going to be our plan for this summer. Now, before we uh, jump right into the top 10, we're going to take a little bit of time and set the stage for it, okay? How did God get to the point of writing these commandments on some stones and giving them to the children. So we're going to start with the Garden of Eden and kind of work our way there. All right. Are you guys ready for that? I mean, this is going to be like the history of the world, you know, in 30 minutes. Okay. We're going to try to do that. In fact, this week is just going to be part one. Uh, We're going to take us up through Abraham today as our plan. And I think God has some things he wants to speak to us. And then we'll go from Abraham to Moses next week. And then we'll jump into the Ten Commandments and talk about each of those. All right? So if you have a Bible, you might want to open it up to Genesis chapter 11. Okay? Genesis chapter 11. And if you would like to, um, you you can look through chapters 1 through 10 as I talk about them. But I'm going to summarize chapters 1 through 10 pretty quickly. So just hang on to your hat, all right? But first, let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this history that is relevant to our faith. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us um, today. We need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to start in the Garden of Eden, 4,000 BC, all right? That's 6,000 years ago, roughly 6,000 years ago. Adam and Eve are in the garden, and we all know about how they ate the fruit, the forbidden fruit, and they were kicked out of the garden. What we don't know, though, is how long Adam and Eve were in the garden. I just want to throw that out. Some of you are like, that was only 6,000 years ago, the creation of the world. We don't know how long Adam and Eve were in the garden. If I was in the garden, and God said, hey, don't eat that fruit, you can do everything else, it would probably only be a week you know, before I I fall into sin and and eat the fruit and I'm kicked out. But Adam was there for a while, a long while. He was naming all the animals before Eve ever even came along. So we don't know how many years, decades, you know, hundreds of years. We don't know that they were in the garden. But at some point, they fell into temptation. They ate the fruit. God kicked them out of the garden, all right? At that point, they had three boys listed in Scripture, they had Cain, Abel, and Seth. All right, that was their, their first three boys that are listed. Um, they ended up most likely having some girls too because at some point they, they repopulated the world or populated the world for the first time. And so we had all of these descendants of Adam and Eve that populated the world over the next 1,500 years. Okay, Now at that point, this is, we're at now 2500 B.C., so it's 1,500 years later, generation after generation after generation. The world is now evil. God looks out at the world and he says, man, everybody is just evil. 
except for, do you know who? Noah. He says, except for Noah, man, everybody's a mess. And so God decides in his wisdom to start over again. I mean, he started with Adam and Eve. 1,500 years later, he says, that didn't work out so well. I'm going to start over again. I just love God's belief in us, though, isn't it? He could have just said, I'm going to wipe them all out, and we're going to start with monkeys, and we're just going to go down that route, you know? But he didn't. He started over again with, um, with eight people, Noah and his wife, his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. And so he resets the planet, not just with humanity, but he resets the planet with all of the animals as well, all right? Now, after that, all the people decided to all live together in a certain area over the next roughly about 500 years or so. And then they started learning how to build bricks and build towers. And God looks down at them and he says, they're, they're getting too smart too quick, right? I mean, he's just like they're, they're developing too quickly. And so he decides at that point to confuse all of their languages. And so all the people that spoke Spanish moved this way. All the people that spoke Portuguese moved that way. I mean, there are thousands of languages and dialects in our world. And what's interesting, by the way, if you do a little study on DNA ancestry, all of the scientists are now saying that there is an Adam and there is an Eve. All right? They're saying that we are all descended from two individuals. That's what our DNA actually says. Why would we have thousands of languages if we all descended from the same people? It doesn't make any sense, right? The only way that that could have happened is that the Bible is true. And God said, at some point, I'm going to confuse their languages, and then they all kind of spread out around the world. So that actually happened. And then uh, about 550 years after the flood, um, we run into Abraham. And he's going to be the topic of our study for today. Now think about this. This is 550 years after the flood when Abraham is around. That's about the same amount of time as when Columbus discovered America. All right, so just think about that. We know about Columbus through our history books Abraham would have known about the flood. It, it was that much of a recent period of time. So that's in his mindset growing up. He understands this reset humanity, of humanity that happened. So this happened around 14, or 1946 B.C. is when Abraham comes into play. Abraham was the great, 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 great grandson of Noah. All right, if you kind of so he knew who his ancestor was he was a descendant of Noah's son Shem and his father's name was Terah okay so that just gives you a little bit of background now I'm going to be talking about Abraham and Sarah their names were originally Abram and Sarai they get changed later on we'll talk about that um, but I'll be probably interchanging those and saying Abram or Abraham just know it's the same person okay so his father's name was Terah, so we're going to talk about Terah. They were living in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, Chaldeans, which was modern-day Iraq. And we'll show a, a map here in a little bit. But one day his dad, Terah, decides, I'm going to go to Canaan. 
He's going to go from Iraq to Israel. That's his plan. I don't know why. Maybe God spoke to him in a dream. We don't know why. But his father, Abraham's father, decided to go to the land of Israel. So we're going to read this. This is Genesis 11, verses 31 and 32. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, Terah had planned to go all the way to Israel. He goes through Turkey, that's where um, Haran is, and he stops, right? He stops there, and it says, and they settled there. And they settled there. Now, I'm sure Haran was a nice place, but it wasn't Canaan. If we flash forward to the, the children of Israel scoping out the land of Israel before they went in, they called it the promised land. They called it the promised land. And the spies went out and they came back and they said, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a beautiful land, the land of Israel. But Terah stops in Turkey. He stops in Turkey. He's only 500 miles away from the promised land, but he settles in Turkey. And he never sees the promised land. So here's a question I have for us today as I was reading this. Have you settled somewhere short of God's promised land? I want you to think about that. Have you had an unction, something, maybe a a God-given dream in your life and you started heading towards it. And then you got to an area where it was like, oh, this is good enough. This is good enough. And, and, and just settled. Instead of going the extra mile to receive all that God has for you. The enemy of the great things for us are good things. Just keep that in mind. The enemy of great is good. Don't settle for good. If God has something great for you, go for it. Keep fighting, keep traveling, keep going until you get what God has for you. Now, we don't know how long they actually lived in Haran, probably about 50 years or so, but Abraham's father dies. All right, they're settled in this land. They have probably houses, they have fields, they have, you know, all, all their, their um, flocks are all there. And then Terah dies. At this point, God speaks to Abraham. This is, by the way, the first time that we see recorded in Scripture that God speaks to an individual since Noah. It's kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. So Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, says this. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God tells Abraham to leave 
his comfort zone, to leave his land, right? To leave where his father had settled, his father's relatives. He says, you need to continue the journey. It makes me wonder if it wasn't God that put that dream into Terah because it was God's plan for Abraham to make it all the way to Israel. Now, Abraham has a choice to make, right? He's 75 years old, all right? He's 75. His wife, Sarai, is 65, and they have no children. And so they have to, they, they've heard from God, but they have to decide, am I going to leave my comfort area, my comfort zone, and continue this journey? Now, it's 500 miles, which for us, you know, that's between like here and uh, Tennessee, but that's a long way to walk. It still is, right? It's a journey, it's, it's something we could do in a day. It's going to take them a little bit more than a day, right, to do that. But here's the interesting thing. God is stating some promises to Abraham. First of all, he's saying, you're going to have kids. You're going to be a great nation. You know, the whole world will be blessed by you. And it actually happens. I, I, let, me, let me share this with you. The people of Jewish descent, you know, descendants of Abraham, are a blessing to the world, all right? I know that they have been, Jews have been made fun of in a lot of contexts, but I believe that is just demonic influence, that they would pick out the Jewish people, the chosen people of God, to make fun of them or, or be prejudiced against them, all of those things. But we, as a, as a world, have been blessed by them. Let's just talk about some actors and actresses, some famous people, right? Um, we have... Paula Abdul is Jewish. Anybody feel blessed already? You know? J.J. Abrams, who is a director of a lot of good movies. Tom Arnold. You guys know Tom Arnold? Nobody knows Tom Arnold, but Tom Arnold. Isaac Asimov, you know, was a scientist and an author. There are lists out there of famous Jewish people. That was just the, some from the A's. There are so many famous Jewish people who have been blessings to us. But here's the cool thing. 20% of all Nobel Prizes have been awarded to people of Jewish descent. 20%. Okay, one out of five. A Nobel Prize is awarded to someone who has made great discoveries in physics, chemistry, and other areas. So 20%. But here's the interesting thing. Jewish people make up less than 1% of the population. In fact, 0.19% of the population, but yet they have given us 20% of the advances in science and medicine. Here's a couple of examples of Jewish inventions. Google, <laughs> jeans, lipstick, ballpoint, pen, and here's a really important one, a TV remote control, I guess. We are blessed. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are blessed. That's good. Uh, some game changers, though. Genetic engineering, the atomic bomb, and Albert Einstein, the theory of relativity, all descendants of Abraham. So the world has been blessed by descendants of Abraham. And now, if that's true, it also says God will bless those who bless Israel, and he will curse those who curse Israel. Just keep that in mind. Bless Israel. God bless Israel. 
Now, in order for Abraham to receive these blessings, though, he had to step out in faith and leave his comfort zone and travel to an unknown land, all right? Now, here's the fun thing. He travels, let me see where I put that. Okay, here it is. This is Genesis chapter 13, uh, verses 14 and 16. The Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, look around from here, from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east and the west, all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Okay? So God is renewing his promise with Abraham. He's renewing it with him when he, when he actually shows up. So sometimes God will give you the promise, but he's, your next step is to take action in that promise, and then he will meet you there. The cool thing about this, though, is Abraham does take his nephew Lot along with him. And I, when I was preparing this message, I thought... Um, for someone here today, this may be you, may not be you, I think God wants to speak to you. You are not alone in your journey. You should not be alone in your journey. Take someone with you. Even Abraham took his nephew Lot with him, okay? Now, so Abraham is now in the promised land. God has met him there. He said, I'm going to give you all of this land, but he also had a section of his promise where he said, You're gonna, your descendants are going to be great. Abraham starts to doubt this part of the promise, okay? So this is in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Let me read this. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield and your great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir, will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So Abraham, at this point, is, is 86 years old, all right? And God says, no, you're going to have some kids. His wife is 75. And he believed him. He said, okay, I believe you, God. You're going to come through for me. But his wife, on the other hand, had some doubts. Sarah had been listening to this promise for the last 10 years, and she was tired of waiting on God. So you know what she does? She takes matters into her own hands. Abraham, you just keep telling me that you're going to have, we're going to have kids, but I'm 75 years old. There's no way we're going to have kids. So how about this? How about I give you Hagar, my servant from Egypt, and you have a child through Hagar, and we'll call it our own. Because you want God's promise. How about we do this? This doesn't go very well. 
to put it mildly. Hagar gets pregnant, all right? She has a child, a boy named Ishmael. This causes problems within the household. Sarah becomes pregnant of Hagar and Ishmael because Hagar was able to have a a baby. Abraham is all about this new boy, Ishmael, but Sarah hates Ishmael, hates Hagar, and wants them to separate. There's all kinds of tension in the household, and so he finally lets Sarah kick Hagar and Ishmael out. Now, Ishmael ends up, God meets Hagar and uh, basically saves their life so that they don't die. But Ishmael goes on to have 12 sons and has a ton of descendants. Now, I want to show you a, a map of the descendants of Ishmael. Go ahead and put that up. All of the Arab countries that surround Israel. You see little red Israel there? And you see all of these green countries? Those are the Arab descendants who claim Abraham as their father through the servant girl Hagar and Ishmael. These are the countries that have hated Israel for generations and have attacked and persecuted and fought wars against them. This wouldn't have happened if what? If Sarah had been patient. Here's a question for us. Are you tired of waiting on God to fulfill his promises? Just be honest. Are you tired? Sarah was tired. And she's like, I'm not getting pregnant. I'm 75 years old. God's not going to come through, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. That's what Sarah did. It didn't turn out very well. It didn't turn out very well. I've been there many times. There's been times when I have waited on God, and it's been a wonderful thing. And then, then there's been all of those times I've pulled the trigger too soon, and I'm like, ah, I should have waited. I know that's what Sarah was thinking. I know she was thinking, I should have waited. We've caused so much problems. There's been so many problems here. And I know Abraham was thinking the same thing. Guys, we can trust God to fulfill his promises. We can. Here's a few scriptures. Psalms 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And 2 Peter 3, 8 through 9 says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. God is not slow in keeping his promise. Here's your feeling. God's not late. He's just on a different timetable. So 15 years later, 15 years later, after Ishmael is born, roughly, Sarah gets pregnant. 25 years after the promise from God that Abraham would be the father of nations. Now, in the midst of that, 
Um, he changes Abraham and Sarah's name. He changes Abram, which means exalted father, to be Abraham, which means father of many. So that was a promise that God gave him. that you will be the father of many. Abraham. And then he changes Sarai's name, which there wasn't really a good definition of it, but a lot of biblical scholars believe that Sarai means contentious. <laughs> contentious. Um, and changes it to Sarah, which means princess. That's pretty cool. And God fulfills his promises. Um, I'm going to skip down to Genesis 21, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now, I know I don't have this on the screen, but let me read this, uh, verses 6 and 7, because I think this is, when we wait on God and we see God come through, this can be our response. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And we're going to pick up from there next week. Your last fill-in is this. God will do what he promises he will do. God will do it. If he promises it, he will do it. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.